Philosophers have wrestled with some of the great questions of our time. What is consciousness? Do we truly have free will? Who or what created the universe? Today we ask, are Tottenham actually any good? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. This question requires some of the great minds of our age, but we couldn't afford those. So you'll have to make do with us, I'm afraid. Betting scion Mark O'Hare is with us. Tottenham are only four points behind Arsenal in the Premier League, but they don't seem to be getting anywhere near the same amount of praise. One six of their nine top flight games so far. Should Tottenham be fated a little bit more, do we think? Probably when you frame it like that, Kev. Um, in answer to the question straight up, um, probably doesn't help really, but I don't know if Tottenham are any good or not. Clearly they're getting results. Why and... it's such a difficult question. <laughs> Clearly they're getting results and pre-season we were all very bullish about their prospects of finishing in the top four for for completely understandable reasons. They, they bolstered the squad with a number of smart signings, you could say. Um, some of those were capable of playing in the first team, strengthen the first 11, fill out the squad, and you've got a, a team that are capable of competing on a number of fronts, which they've proven to, to a certain extent that they can do already this season. But a lot of those results have kind of come through fairly sort of drab, grinding games. And you can go back to, to last weekend's match against Brighton as a prime example, really. I was quite expectant and hopeful of, of quite an interesting, exciting entertaining game and it was it was anything but really uh, Spurs just kind of doing enough and that's basically been the story of their season so far just doing about enough to get to get the points bank the points and move on maybe it's by design we, we just don't know uh, perhaps uh, the uh, strength and conditioning team behind the scenes are, are telling the players to, to sort of down tools when you get ahead and just kind of preserve yourself because it's an extraordinary season we've got ahead of ourselves I think it's very unlikely to be the case but um, I do wonder whether it's Conte's approach his style his system um, at the moment, which is playing, uh, which is kind of why this is occurring. But um, I didn't see the game, the full 90 minutes midweek against Eintracht Frankfurt. Just caught the highlights, really. And it looked like an improvement, at least going forward. They created plenty of chances and had numerous opportunities to, to score more than the goals that they did score. Um, however, the sort of last kind of third of the game or the last quarter of the game, Frankfurt put them under pressure and put that defence um, or at least made them look pretty ordinary for, for a few stretches of that match too. So... Yeah, I don't know. And I guess that the difference between Arsenal and Tottenham, not just in terms of league position and league points, Arsenal at the end of the day have won eight of nine games and beat Spurs reasonably convincingly, you could say, even if the key decisions went against them and, and a goalkeeping error also sort of uh, played its part there. But um, I think it's just the style and the swagger in which Arsenal are playing, the goals that they're scoring uh, and how easy they seem to be kind of cutting teams open and winning matches compared to Tottenham, who seem to be making very hard work at it themselves. So um, I guess that's why we're sort of portraying the two teams in, in a different way. But um, certainly when you look at the league table, it suggests that they're not too far apart from each other. And right now, if I took a match bet between the two, who would finish higher, Arsenal or Spurs? <sighs> It'd be difficult. I, I still would say Spurs have got a, a very good chance of finishing above Arsenal. It's a really interesting idea because all of the narrative, almost all of it has been Arsenal are back. This incredible team, Jesus is playing brilliantly, this young, vibrant side. But it'll be really interesting to see where they end up finishing. And of course, 
once we've had the World Cup, that's going to mess everything up. Maybe their rhythm will totally change. Maybe there'll be some injuries. Who knows? The Data Doctor will see you now. Jake Osgathorpe from Infogol is back with us. Jake, I noticed that Infogol's table currently has Tottenham at sixth in the standings, three places below where they actually are. What are the underlying numbers telling you about Spurs under Conte right now? Um, right now, it basically tells us that they are a really good home team that you should be getting on side with um, and a really poor away team that you should really oppose when they're travelling. That's been the difference, basically. Their, their expected points haul at home accounts for over 70% of their total expected points away from home. They've had some tough fixtures, haven't they? But still, the, the performances haven't been great uh, and ultimately have resulted in few expected points. So, yeah, they're, they're an interesting proposition. The comparison with Arsenal, for me, I I definitely would be taking Arsenal in a match bet at this moment in time. Um, I just think that they they look more complete. However, there is a big caveat that I think Spurs have got a better squad. So if if, if both 11s would stay fit, then I'd take Arsenal. If if not, then you're probably looking at Spurs because Arsenal's depth is not really um, as strong as, as what Spurs have, have got. Yeah, they're, they're an interesting team because they don't look fantastic on the eye in terms of they don't blow you away they don't partake in too many fixtures like the one we watch, watched Arsenal last week with Art Liverpool that was just a massive ding dong a lot of really good attacking play back to front quickly high intensity Spurs they seem to be a little bit more controlled in, in the way in which they do things and, uh, and maybe Mark's right I mean there could be an argument that there is a policy where you know they, they being more efficient rather than explosive in terms of trying to save themselves for, for later games and um, and there is an argument that in this sort of squashed season that that's actually the way to go. Well, we've only been recording for a few minutes and Jake's almost nearly set me off giggling by saying massive ding-dong. Uh, betting experts and trader Mark Stinchcombe has had an avalanche of winners on here recently. Delighted to say uh, that he's with us again. Stinch Tottenham came from behind to beat Frankfurt in the Champions League on Wednesday. All three goals came from Harry Kane and Son Heung-min. I guess if you've got that kind of firepower, you can blast your way out of tough situations. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's sustainable. Uh, Tottenham conceded in the third most shots per game in the league this season. 15.7 and the most is, is Forest was 16.4. If you put that into context, Man City the fewest was 6.3 and Arsenal second fewest was 7.4. If you're conceding in lots of shots, you know, you, you're ultimately asking the opposition, can you score? And if you've got Goalkeeping errors like Hugo Lloris has made in the past, uh, as recent as the the North London derby. Especially you... in big games. It tends to be in big games where he struggles, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's a concern, but the main concern is they're just giving up lots of lots of shots and, and that's not sustainable. I've got concerns regarding the amount of minutes that Harry Kane's playing. I think he's played nine, the full 90 minutes in... I think 15 of 16 games this season, that includes two for England and Tottenham have got a game nearly every three days up until the beginning of the, the World Cup. And we, we know Harry Kane's fitness has been an issue in the past, particularly towards the back end of the season. So if they lose Kane, he's got nine goals this season, you know, that's that's a huge chunk. And I think, you know, the way he, he knits this Tottenham team together with, I think probably his... You know, similar to Rooney, you know how Rooney kept dropping deeper and deeper as, as his career got on. It feels like maybe Kane is doing something similar. Don't get me wrong, he's fantastic when he drops in deep and he sets the team up. But yeah, from a, from a goal scoring and a creative point of view, he would be an enormous miss if something happened to him. I, I fully appreciate that what the guys say about having a stronger squad. But uh, I think 
Enketia probably could re replicate what Jesus is, is doing. Um, I'd struggle to see who would do that for, for Spurs. And and uh, in terms of a, a betting proposition, <laughs> I wouldn't be taking a, a match bet, even if a mythical, even if it was a mythical one um, between between the two sides. Certainly not now, because I think Arsenal would be heavily heavily favoured. But uh, yeah, there's no way you want to be tying up your money yet for for six months on a, a six to four shot, even if it, you know, even if you do make it, you know, eleven to ten or or something. But I have to say, this this weekend's game against Everton, as bad as Everton are, and the amount of chances that Everton concede, they're, they're, they're second in the shots against table with 16.2 and we know they're the biggest overachievers in terms of expected goals against but the way this season's panning out I would I would I wouldn't be back in Spurs a, a four to nine I, I, I mean we're going to come obviously on to this weekend's bets but um, so many teams are, are flopping at, at short odds on prices and it's generally you know a lot of those teams are involved in in European action and it's completely unheard of to be playing every single week in Europe or in uh, I think we've got another Premier League midweek coupon next week and yeah I just think it's no surprise that uh, that these teams are, are flopping so I would be very very careful back in back in teams at short prices. Yeah, Jake, let's look at that Spurs-Everton game because, as Stinch quite rightly says, I think there's been a feeling that Jordan Pickford's incredible form at the start of this season has kind of changed that picture slightly in an unfair way because you might look at the table and think Everton are rock solid at the back, but actually you look at their games and think Everton are not rock solid at the back. So it's a weird one. We're not sure where Spurs are at, but we're also not quite sure where Everton are at, are we? Um. I'm fairly sure that Everton are going to go to Tottenham and concede a lot of chances. Uh, that's something that I think will happen this weekend. Away from home, they've not really faced too many difficult games and they've allowed over two expected goals against per game. So they're not, as you said, it, it has been that sort of good run of away form. It has been down to good goalkeeping, poor finishing, maybe some good blocks in there as well. Um, and that's not really sustainable over the, the course of a full season, and especially not when you're travelling to Tottenham, who in my book are... Along with um, Arsenal, City and Liverpool, particularly Arsenal and City this season, Tottenham are one of the teams that I always look to back when they're at home because their process at home is just so good compared to when they're playing away from home. Why is that, Jake? Is it a tactics thing? Is it is it the fact that obviously they get great support and a massive stadium? What what would you put that down to? That Because it's quite a big disparity that you're describing. Yeah, I, I probably would say... It, tactics for a start because I think that they do play more on the front foot when they're they're at home when they're away from home we tend to see them retreat and play more on the counter-attack under Conte and to be fair they did that under Mourinho as well um, and yeah maybe a comfort factor they're very comfortable at, at that new stadium um, they yeah I think a bit of freedom as well um, you think back to the first couple of games that, that they played under Conte and I think one of them was Liverpool um, and everyone was expecting Liverpool to go there do a job on Spurs but Spurs really took the game to Liverpool and I think that's that kind of performance is what we've seen regularly they're, they're not sitting deep and counter-attacking they are taking the game to opponents and I think that's the, the way that, to get the best out of the um, the, the players that they've got um, and obviously they have the luxury of if they go one up two up the other team's chasing the game and that even helps lend itself more to, to what they like to do which is break into space and, and get Harry Kane dropping and playing those runners in so yeah, I, I I take on board what Stinch is saying about being a bit wary about the the short odds on bets this weekend. But for me, I, I just can't see anything other than Spurs winning this quite comfortably. I, I think, as you've said, Everton they have become a little bit tougher in terms of difficult to beat. But that's 
doesn't reflect the underlying numbers that they're posting. Um, and ultimately, we'll see a, a bit of a regression. We'll see them start conceding more goals and up against a, a really strong attacking team in Spurs, particularly at home. Um, I think the Spurs could win this one quite comfortably. So I've actually got Tottenham minus one on the Asian handicap as my bet in this one, around 1.85. So Spurs win by just one goal, so 2-1, 3-2, Then we get our money back. But if Spurs win by a couple, um, then we get a, a, a winner. And I just think that this Everton team will get found out this weekend. And Jake managed to get through all of that without two-footing Frank Lampard, which I was quite surprised about, to be honest. So there we go. I thought that was nailed on that we were going to get a list of uh, how bad Frank Lampard is. Uh, Massive game coming up on Sunday, by the way, between Liverpool and Manchester City. We're going to have a full preview here on Football Only Better on our Sunday show. We're also going to have a look at El Clasico as well. And it's worth bearing in mind, you can get a £5 free bet by staking a £5 bet builder on Liverpool against Manchester City. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus, see gamblerware.org. Now, Leicester City collapsed to a 2-1 defeat at Bournemouth a few days ago. They're bottom of the Premier League. The Foxes, Brendan Rodgers, still in a job, but you feel he probably needs a result against Crystal Palace on Saturday lunchtime. Leicester are the 2.4 favourites here. Mark, my response to that would be, why on earth are Leicester 2.4 favourites? What is going on? (laughs) Yeah, it's... um... It's not a prize I'd be getting involved in, but um, this game was actually the real standout for me on the Premier League coupon this weekend in terms of potential selections to to select to choose from. Um, one of them was to oppose Leicester, obviously. Uh, I think Crystal Palace plus a quarter on the Asian handicap has got plenty of merit, um, particularly after that debacle at Bournemouth. Um, Surprise, Rogers is still there and survived that. To be to be honest, um, the Forest win was supposed to be the catalyst for for some sort of comeback for Leicester. They deserve to win, obviously, but uh, if you look closer at the four 0 it was a bit generous considering three goals came from either outside the penalty area or or kind of outrageous build up play. So that kind of stuff isn't really sustainable, really. But we have seen in flashes this season that this Leicester team can play. They've got so much individual quality going forward. Clearly, it's just defensively. We talk about it every week. They're, they're just a disaster waiting to happen, really. And another implosion against Bournemouth. And um, it's not the first time this season Leicester have taken the lead and and uh, ended up without a point. I think it's happened four times now, which is yeah, clearly something to be concerned about. I think Roger said afterwards that um, his team looked a little bit comfortable after taking the lead. But that's <laughs> really surprising because it's happened three times before the Bournemouth game they've taken the lead and still managed to lose the game so f- clearly fingers have to be pointed in his direction but um, we'll see what they do this weekend I certainly wouldn't be touching them at the prices but I think the the, the one that's just screaming out to me here is to back over to and half goals at 1.9 on the exchange um, a fabulous price um, just one of the best prices I've seen in the Premier League so far this season eight of Leicester's nine games have gone overs five of nine have gone over three and a half seven of nine have seen both teams scoring Matches this season, averaging 4.33 goals per game. Leicester have scored an 8 of 9. They've conceded an 8 of 9. They've scored twice or more in 5 of 9, but conceded twice or more in 7 of 9. And their 24 goals against is the joint highest tally they've ever conceded in their history after the first nine matches. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty overwhelming as it is, but we can sort of back those numbers up by by looking at the longer term as well. Since the start of last season, Overs has copped in 68% of their Premier League games with 3.41 goals per game on average. 38% 38% went over three and a half and 70% saw both teams scoring as well. So you look at that price of 1.9, just looks too too big to be true. It's basically implying that there's just a 52% chance of us seeing three or more goals at the King Power. 
Uh, I disagree with that. I think it should be a lot higher than that. Um, you know, Crystal Palace, I think sometimes you can believe they can be quite tight, quite cagey. Um, I don't personally see that. I just see players in the likes of Everett Jayeze, Wilfred Zahar, Michael Elise, talented players who can create, can convert, and should, in theory, absolutely love the open spaces that they're given, whether it's in transitions, counter-attacks, or even just in plain open open play possession. Uh, and Palace, so far this season, they've seen overs cop in, in half of their games. They've scored in six of eight. Both teams have scored in six of eight, including three or four meetings with the big six, because uh, obviously they've had a difficult start to the season. And it could really have been four from four if you go back to the opening day against Arsenal, but they really should have probably scored in that match. But away from home under Patrick Vieira, Palace have scored in 16 of 20 away games when he excludes the top six or the big six so Palace tend to score and contribute when playing teams outside of the elite and I expect them to get on the score sheet here fully expect Leicester to do so as well being at home being under pressure knowing that they have to be on the offensive Rogers arguably trying to save his role as Leicester manager here too so you know if they come out and try and play sort of pragmatically or conservatively uh, I don't think it's going to do them any good knowing how awful that rear guard is so yeah to me it's the most obvious selection on the coupon over two and a half goals at 1.9. I've never been more convinced about a bet in my life on this show. That, that, that was <laughs> comprehensive and compelling. Stinch, you've been talking a lot for a long time about get on goals in Leicester games. I mean, that's still the way to go, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if this was a Bundesliga match, you, you wouldn't be getting, uh, you know, 1.9. You'd, you'd be getting close to probably 1.6, 1.55, something like that. Um, just being held up really by... I, I mean, a lot of Leicester's goals are sometimes low chances uh, in terms of, um, you know, the probability. You know, Mark mentioned about the, the some of the goals that uh, they scored against Forest. You know, James Madison has been scoring a, a lot of high quality finishes, which, you know, um, can be unsustainable depending on your how, how high... Uh, tier of player you're dealing with. So that can kind of hold it up a little bit. Um, as you kind of mentioned, Palace, you know, sometimes can be I think some sometimes can be quite defensively quite strong and re resilient and rely on you know the 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 flair of Zaha and Elise and Eze going going forward to try and nick a knock goal here or there but but at the end of the day it all comes down to price and very happy to to, to back the to back the same bet essentially um Leicester only kept six clean sheets in the last 22 home games uh, Palace have seen 11 of 17 go over two and a half goals uh, away from home against last season top half. And I think worryingly, uh, I mentioned about Spurs conceding a lot of shots. Palace have, are conceding 15 shots per game this season, which which is an awful lot of, uh, in, in my mind. Uh, I said Forest are the most with 16, so it's not too far off. Um, yeah, again, to put that into context, Liverpool, Arsenal, City all conceding less than nine. So you kind of see, you know, at least six shots more than the kind of the, the elite sides. Um, and generally, this matchup does see a lot of goals, particularly at the King Power. The last six meetings at the King Power have all seen over two and a half goals. So, yeah, no reason not to get involved in that. And just, yeah, Leicester's price to win the game is just absurd, really. I can't see anybody that's going to be back in that. They've lost seven of the last eight matches. And, and Palace um, talked a lot about how good Palace have been under Patrick Vieira, but they don't always get their just desserts, I don't feel, in terms of winning. Yeah. Um, and actually, sometimes they don't actually deserve to win, and maybe that's because they could be a bit more proactive. However, they don't lose a lot of games. Under Vieira, they've only lost six of 31 outside the, of the, the, the big six. Um, so yeah, back in Palace plus three quarters or laying Leicester, I would I would also kind of be looking down that route as well. But yeah, obviously main bet over two and a half goals at, at 1.9.
Jake, it feels like Brendan Rodgers is kind of the Premier League version of Max Allegri at the moment. You've got a coach that had a really good reputation who's just listing horribly. It's just not happening at all. And you get the sense that the club involved just can't afford to sack them because I can't see any other reason why Leicester would have limped along for so long otherwise. Yeah, yeah, exactly that reason. Um, I think <clears throat> something that I spoke about quite a lot last season is was the underlying numbers of Leicester and just how poor they were showing um, despite finishing the top half. Obviously, we had them finishing bottom three based on expected points. So to see them... You know, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like if you don't change the process, then your results are going to eventually regress to the mean. And that's ultimately what we've seen. We've seen them not bringing any players. They've actually lost probably a couple of key players um, in Fafana and Schmeichel. And you know, ultimately, the results have regressed to to what we expect to see, which is why they're in a relegation battle. And they probably will be for uh, throughout this season, just purely because defensively they're a shambles. Um, you know, we're talking about a team that, we're averaging around 1.8 expected goals against per game this season. It was slightly higher last season. Um, that's relegation form, uh, unfortunately, from a defensive standpoint. Um, and then on the flip side, creative-wise, they've actually really struggled to create chances for a long period of time. And they've been heavily reliant on moments of brilliance, which have come fairly regularly, to be fair, which is perhaps uh, maybe breaking the mould in terms of sustainability. We are seeing that pretty regularly for a long period of time, 2025 20, games-ish, that, that Leicester have overperformed their expected goals by a considerable amount. Um, whether that will fall flat on its face and come to a, a flat regression, I'm not too sure, but we, sh- we will see a decline at some point. But I think the way in which this game this weekend sets up is just, I'm all on board with the over two and a half, so it's a full it's a full house, really. The, the way I really enjoyed Palace against Leeds in the, the attacking starting lineup that he, he picked with you know, just Decore basically by himself in midfield and everyone else attacking. Um, Every and, Leeds game is just chaos, isn't it? Just it, wonderful, it is, yeah. wonderful chaos. It is. Um, and and Palace really looked like they were irrelevant with that, particularly after the first half an hour. And I think it'll be the same again here. I think, they'll, they'll, as Mark said, they should get plenty of space for Eze and Elise to really create loads of good chances. And I guess the ice on the cake for me around Leicester and just how bad they are defensively is the fact that Bournemouth managed to create over one expected goals against them last week. And that's the first time they've done that this Premier League season. So, um, yeah, if Bournemouth can create one expected goal against Leicester, you, you, they've got a problem. Um, and I, I just think Crystal Palace, they'll not they'll they'll look at this Leicester team right now, see that they're vulnerable, uh, and I think they'll go for the throw. I don't think they'll sit in and and look to be cagey and hit on the counter attack. I think that they'll they'll take the game to Leicester because they see that they are a very wounded animal, and I think that they can get three points and, and one thing about Crystal Palace I know that they are fairly low down in the table we've discussed a difficult start um, but they, they've kind of performed as we perhaps would have expected based on the fixtures you know lost to Arsenal draw against Liverpool slightly better than what we probably expected they beat Villa which we expected lost to City draw with Brentford maybe slightly under draw with Newcastle maybe slightly overperform and then lost to Chelsea and beat Leeds so that in my book they're performing as I would probably have expected maybe got them extra one or two points throughout this, this opening stretch and that's really positive for the long-term um, bets that I think we put up at the start of the season for like Palace top half uh, because when the, the the schedule gets softer I think that they'll start to pick up points at a much quicker rate. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Palace do as the season goes on. I think if they finish top half, they'll feel like that's worthy of a bus parade, quite frankly, because I think they genuinely feel a, 
uh, I've spoken to to a couple of people there, and they genuinely feel that you know it's such a competitive Premier League outside that top six or seven. So uh, it really is a scramble at the moment. Bruno Lage can no longer say this is football in the Premier League at Wolves because he's been sacked. Uh, no permanent replacement at time of recording. Hulen Lopetegui, it seems, has stepped away for family reasons. They face a Nottingham Forest side that has done the total opposite with their under-fire manager. They've given Steve Cooper a new contract. Uh, Stinch, what do you make of this one? Wolves are four to six. Who's who's backing Wolves at four to six? They failed to win fifteen of the last sixteen matches. They've scored three goals in nine games. Like, I wouldn't. Is back that a Wolves. price against Forest rather? Than yeah, pretty much, Wolves. pretty much. But I wouldn't back Wolves at home to say Leighton Orient at that price. Like, it's <laughs> it's it's a shocking price, and that's doing no disservice to Leighton Orient. I just mentioned. Come on, you O's. Just because they're they're as far down as League Two, yeah, like. Yeah, I think uh, Forest plus three quarters on the Asian handicap around by evens is the, is the way to go for me. So even if Forest lose by a goal, you still get half your state back, and you know Wolves simply can't score goals, so they haven't got haven't got strikers that are, that are that are good or, or performing. Uh, Jimenez and Kalajdzic are both obviously out. You have got Goncalo Guedes hasn't scored his last 18 club games. Uh, an unfit Diego Costa who's played 88 minutes in 10 months, and then Huang came back last weekend, but he's not scored in his last 21 club games. So I think confidence is at is at rock bottom for them going forward. And I think the beauty of Forest is obviously we know they're not faring much better uh, obviously a point and a, a position worse off but I think they've got a reasonably decent excuse having signed over 20 plus players and you know they haven't they just haven't gelled yet I think some a lot of them some of their players have come from the Bundesliga and you know Kev you obviously commentate on the Bundesliga and Bundesliga expert I think you'd agree that very impressed with some of the signings that they made yeah um, and they haven't they haven't become bad players overnight so nine games is certainly not enough to to um, have a, a good indication of, of how it's going to be long-term and, and players like a one you haven't even played the, the full nine games. So, yeah, plenty of plenty of confidence that um, Forest do have um, a, a higher ceiling to go than, the, than they're currently at. Um, although, having, having said that, I was having a quick look at the uh, next manager to go market and uh, you led off quite well with your, with your opening uh, slant, Kev. So I'm quite, I'm quite excited to come on to this. What price do you think Steve Cooper is to be the next manager to go? Oh, I think he'd be fairly close to the top of the market, even though he signed that new deal. Let's go 11 to 10, something crazy like that. Now, what? so uh, let's go another way then. What price would be big enough for you to back it? Oh, Remem- Remembering that it's a very muggy market, it's like a first goal scorer market, like it's very hard to win these. I don't think I've ever won one. Okay, what would I be tempted by? I, well, Maranakis is 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 an unpredictable chap. I think it's fair to say. So actually, something like three to one might tempt me in. I think maybe, well, even though fill, maybe something a bit bigger. Fill your boots then, because he's twenty-two to one to be the next manager to be that's, sacked. That's insane. Or next manager to leave. Yeah, that's yeah, it's insane. massive. It's massive. Like you consider the fact that before he'd signed his new contract, he was like four to one. And we know in football, contracts aren't worth the paper that they're written on. So it may, in my mind, it makes absolutely no difference. Um, we've seen this week that he sacked, uh, the owner sacked two of the recruitment staff. Yeah. That yeah. seems a bit bonkers to me that 
it's not as if the guys in recruitment are the guys that are involved in the tactics on the pitch or the result or the results. And I think we ag- we have agreed that we're quite positive about a lot of the signings that Forrest have made. So it doesn't really make much sense to me. Uh, it's particularly somebody like Andy Scott, uh, who's pro- very in line with how we think about football and how we bet. You know, he worked at Smart Odds, he worked at Brentford. You know, they employ clever people. So I, I think that's a that's an overreaction. Steve Cooper obviously likes him because he had him at Swansea. So I could, I mean, even, I said sacked, but I could see Steve Cooper walking, you know, if if the if, if they did carry on getting rid of some of his staff. I mean, obviously done a fantastic job to go up, but, you know, he left, he left Swansea of his own accord. So I could easily see him doing something similar. You mentioned the fact the owner's mad. Uh, he sacked Carlos Corberan because he owns Olympiacos as well. Corberan lasted just 11 games there. Yeah. Um, you know, we're nine. We're talking about nine games into the Premier League. After Wolves, their fixtures are Brighton, Liverpool, and Arsenal. Uh, don't know where the points are going to come there, perhaps. So yeah, twenty twenty-two to one is is, is absolutely massive. Um, it's absolutely uh, enormous. Uh, yeah. my, I mean, my guess, if I was on a game show, I'd have been thrown off in the first round <laughs> with my guesses. But I, I do find that because I think I think you're right. I think the misconception there is people have looked at the contract and thought that is a big sign of backing for the manager. Well, actually, if you look at, you know, Maranakis could pay him off like that. I mean, that's not not an issue at all. So, yeah, I think that, that's an enormous price. To yeah, be the, the, the beauty of it is it's not next manager sacked. As I, as I said, it, it's next manager to leave and, and Cooper could quite conceivably leave because he's, he's not happy with the, with the way the club's being run. Um, I came on to the pod with one twenty-two to one shot and uh, ended up coming up with another. So uh, stay tuned for Sunday's show for sure. Yes, yes, some big prices uh, on that show. Make sure you tune in for that Sunday edition. Jake, what do you make of this one, Wolves? Too short? Oh, yeah, miles too short. Uh, four to six, as Stinch said, is just bonkers um, for a team that are just so out of form. I, Yeah, the, you can lay Wolves. I think that's a good bet. I would also oppose goals. I think it's be a very low-scoring game, um, as usually is the case when Wolves play. Their games are averaging just 1.67 goals this season, um, with the unders landing 77% of the time. They've averaged just 1.05 expected goals for per game as well. So they're not creating chances, basically. Um, and Forest, the same, 1.13 expected goals for per game. So they're really struggling to create chances. Uh, unders actually landed in 56% of their matches as well. So um, 1.86 around under two and a half goals for two teams that are in a fairly desperate situation. Um, I can't see either team going for the win because, the, you know, if you go for the win, you leave yourself exposed to ultimately lose the game. I think it'd be a very cagey and cautious affair, similar to what we saw on Monday night with uh, Forest and Villa. So, yeah, I could see it being a nil-nil or one-one or a one-nil either way. Take the under two and a half. Yeah, strange old league at the moment. So it's time for Mark My Words, by the way, which is Mark O'Hare's European nap for the weekend. And Mark, you're once again taking us to Liga. Yeah, Friday night this game, so um, you have to be quick with this one. But it's Strasbourg against Lille. Quite an attractive game for Friday night in France. Uh, Ten rounds deep in Ligue 1. Strasbourg got their first win of the season last weekend. A long overdue away at Angers. Uh, Sort of cooled the pressure on Julien Stéphane then, who um, I think slightly unfairly, because Strasbourg hadn't won in their opening nine games, was being talked about in the in the French version of the sack race. Um, he guided the group to sixth last season in Ligue 1, playing some really good football, really exciting football with a really interesting and um, 
formidable front line, really. Uh, Kevin Gamero, Habib Diallo, Ludovic Ajork. Um, they've just been misfiring a little bit this season. Um, hadn't been um, putting those same chances away. And defensively, too, they've been coming unstuck quite a lot, really. So, you know, marry the two together and you can see why their early season form wasn't ideal. But that win should, in theory, give them a big lift. And I expect them to sort of stride up the table uh, between now and the World Cup, at least. But this is a tricky game. Uh, but the obvious play here is is to back both teams to score um, at 1.8, um, too big a price. Um, I'll just run through the raw numbers because I think they do more than I could do myself trying to explain this game. But Strasbourg have scored an 8 of 10. Lille have scored in 10 of 10. Strasbourg have kept one clean sheet. Lille have kept one clean sheet. That came last week in the derby against Lons, where they were very, very fortunate to escape with a win, let alone a clean sheet. That means Strasbourg have seen both teams scoring in 8 of 10. Lille have seen both teams scoring in ten, I mean, 9 out of 10, I should say. So effectively, this wager has paid out in 17 of their combined 20 league games already this season, and we're getting 1.8. Um, so add further gloss, Strasbourg has scored in 20 of 24 home games. Going back to the start of last season, Lille have scored in 20 of 24 away days. Going back to the start of last season, keeping just three clean sheets in the process. Um Paolo Fonseca there at the moment. Um, most of the Lille's matches have been pretty chaotic. Very, very entertaining. I expect that to carry on here too. I mentioned Strasbourg's forward line. Uh, Lille aren't exactly short of firepower themselves. Jonathan David, who will see at the World Cup with Canada, uh, been in fine form this season, despite sort of changing positions week to week. Jonathan Bamba, Unas, Gomez, Cabela and Weyer are back in the squad. Plenty of options, plenty of players to impact a game off the bench as well if they need to. So, um, yeah, both teams will score at 1.8 in the league on game for Friday night. Well, this football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular Bet Builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. I have a drum here. It has Christopher Nkunku written on it. Uh, Nkunku 2.2 on the sportsbook ahead of RB Leipzig's game against Hertha Berlin. Nkunku looked really sharp in midweek, even though he didn't score. Hertha have only kept one clean sheet in the league this season. I don't think Hertha are as bad as people are saying. I think they're actually quite good fun these days going forward, but at the back, not so much. And Kunku has four goals in his last four games. He has 10 competitive goals in 15 games for De Rorten Bullen this season. While he is still odds against people, I'm going to keep banging this drum. So there you go. 2.2 for Christopher and Kunku to score. Now, I know what you're thinking. Where's the lower league Scottish content? Stop panicking. Mark's got some. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, you mock it, Kev, but... I do not mock it. I am being <laughs> deadly serious. Deadly serious. These are paying out, these things. I look... F- it's my favourite bit of the show, quite <laughs> Of course it is. Well, you might be surprised, but Scotland League 2 is where the fun is at this season. It's the highest scoring league across the UK. 3.12 goals per game. 66% of the games have gone overs. 60% have seen both teams scoring. The two combined have averaged uh, a 58% hit rate so far this season across all matches. Wonderful stuff. So Annan against Stranra is the one which is on our radar for the weekend. Two of the chief protagonists, I guess, in, in all those markets. They also host uh, the, the two worst defensive records in the Scottish fourth tier as well. But it's not just defensively they're bad. They've kept just uh, one clean sheet, by the way, between them uh, all season uh, and conceded multiple goals in 16 of their combined 20 games. They're actually all right going forward. Uh, They've combined to score in 16 of 20 games collectively, including seven of eight when you look at their home and away records. And they've scored multiple goals in 11 of those 20 games already. So, you know, I'm just going to, again, just read out the raw numbers because they're 
do a good enough job really. But both teams have scored in 15 of their combined 20 games. Uh, over two and a half goals has landed in 16 of their combined 20 games. It means the two bets combined over two and a half goals and both teams to score. There's been a winner in 15 of 20 games at 75% hit rate. Annan's matches averaging 3.4 goals. Stranraar's 3.7. Uh, and actually seven of Stranraar's last eight have gone over three and a half goals as well. So, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out there should be goals in this match. Both teams to score and over two and a half goals. He's trading at 2.2, um, which is a really nice price. So, yeah, that's the uh, the bet from Scotland's League 2 this, this week. If I could give listeners, or indeed viewers on YouTube, one piece of advice, it's find somebody who talks as glowingly about you as Mark O'Hare talks about Scottish League 2. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast Traveller feature so revered that Kylian Mbappe's latest demand at PSG is to have it played out on the speakers at the Parc des Princes every single morning while Neymar wears a sandwich board on the streets of Paris with the bets written out in chalk. How this works is that the three guys come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action and our lovely traders wrap them up in a boosted treble. I am going to start with Mark Stinchcombe. I've got a game I prefer to go for, but I think that one of the lads might take it. So I'll go for another one. I'll go for over two and a half goals. <laughs> this is getting right. This is getting... You have a game that you think they will go for. So because you're being kind, you're going to go with something else. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll what tell you what, I'll it? go last. I'll go last. I'll go last. Okay. I mean, this honestly normally should be so straightforward, but I, I actually really enjoy the kind of twists and turns we have now. It's like an Ag- Agatha Christie novel. Uh, Mark, then. Okay. <laughs> well, I know which game he's talking about, so I'm not going to choose about Leicester, it. isn't he, basically? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not going to choose it just to just to add further pressure onto those two. Uh, so I'll back over to an off goals and Annan against Tranra. Right. If none of you go for this Leicester game, you'll be in trouble. Right, Jake. Yeah, I think Stinchy's going Leicester, so I'm going to go Man United over two and a half goals against Newcastle. Uh, I, I think that they, we'll come on to that in the Sunday podcast, but I think there's got goals written all over this. Right, and Stinch, you're going to go yeah. Leicester, right? You try to at, be nice. I'm looking at Leicester v Palace under 2.5. <laughs> uh, let's go under one and a half, I think, is probably the way to go, isn't it? No goal scorer. Yeah, over two and a half. As seen as we were all on it and I think Mark described it as one of his best prices of the season so definitely deserves to be in a boosted treble don't, Basically, don't if, put me into your reasoning for it right if that Leicester <laughs> Palace game doesn't have overs I, I, I've lost all faith in everything not just not just betting and broadcasting but everything I think but there we go right sounds good to me uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Now, if you're thinking, right, that's me sorted for tips uh, for the weekend, think again, Buster. Got a big Sunday show for you. Liverpool against Manchester City. El Clasico, games involving Arsenal and Manchester United. So get listening to that Sunday show. Treat yourself. From Stinch, from Jake, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now. 